Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Career. I'm your host, Jennifer Ong, and in this podcast, I interview people who have taken a leap of faith and pursued an alternative career path in Asia. If you don't know me already, I'm actually a two-time career switcher and pivoted from BlackRock to fashion to now career change coach, where I focus on helping high achievers unhappy with their perfect on paper jobs, find direction in their career and pivot into a perfect for you career. So if this sounds like you and you're looking for some help, send me a message. I'd love to have a chat. All right. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Felix Lee, who's the founder of ADP List, an online platform making mentorship accessible for all. Before he founded ADP List, Felix actually started his first company, Pactat, before he even graduated from school. Then he managed to sell it and worked at another startup before the entrepreneurial bug hit again during COVID, and he decided to build ADP List from nothing more than a Google Sheet. Since then, ADP List has actually grown to over 17,000 mentors and thousands of sessions booked with mentees and mentors every single month. And he's even managed to raise over a million dollars from VCs such as Sequoia. So how did this all go down and how did he end up building ADP list from nothing but a Google sheet? I'll hand over to Felix now to share his story. Um, well, lovely to meet you, Felix. So happy to have you on the podcast with us here today. Um, and uh, I thought I'd just start all the way from the beginning, right? When you were thinking about going to school and um, I know it's probably been a while, but back yeah. then, you know, how did you decide what to study in school? Yeah, thanks for having me here, Jennifer. So my name is Felix and I'm the co-founder at ADP List. And so I, you know, I actually didn't go to college. I didn't go to university and uh, took a very unconventional Singaporean path. One of the things that actually really empowered me to take that decision was that, you know, just as a very entrepreneurial, uh, young, you know, student in Singapore, I just kept uh, meeting a lot of people. I kept trying to really understand perspective from people who were outside of my age group and just people who are really experienced. And these people are still really experienced today. So uh, I remember two very significant stories that are part of um, just growing up. And uh, even today as well, I would really randomly reach out to people, um, but just really two significant stories that you know uh, uh just shaped my life and as a person as well uh was that at the age of i believe it was 17 years old um it was like many years back uh, probably about six six years now uh you know i was actually visiting the grab office and in singapore and back then they were like a startup they're like a series a or b startup so it's really small but you know uh back then they were so small that they were still called grab taxi so they won't even call Grab, right? And so I actually went to Grab Taxi's office and, you know, the, the general manager uh, there today, uh, his name is Jerry and he's one of the senior VP there. Um, You know, he gave our class the tour. And I remember at age of 17, you know, I was just like super curious about what's going on. And I just actually, you know, asked him by the end of the tour, you know, he walked us back to the bus and I said, hey, can I have your name card, right? Because I want to learn from you. And uh, he said, yeah, sure. And so he gave his name card. I called him up and, you know, he so graciously offered, you know, uh, for lunch. And I went to his office again 
and just learn from him. And, you know, it was just so inspiring, right? As a 17-year-old kid, just being able to do that. Uh, that's just one instance. And the next instance was that... And um, uh, yeah. maybe before you go into that, how did you have the courage to do so? Because I think for a lot of people, they might be too scared, right? Oh my God, this guy is like so senior. He's so established. And you might really admire him and really want to learn from him, but you might be really scared of asking him. So how did you do it? Yeah, I think, you know, just... One of the things where, where is in a trait, right? Uh, just growing up as a trait of uh, myself is that I've always been a little bit more shameless in a sense uh, to ask for advice and just to ask for something, uh, even ask for discounts as well. And so, you know, I would I would really just ask. And and for me, that the mindset would be, you know, what is the worst that could really happen? And you know, the worst is like, yeah, no, right? Then we just move on. And so. For me, it has always been the mindset. Um, you know, a lot of things in my life has always been earned and not given. And so I just grew into that, you know, that human being where it's like, hey, if I want something, I just probably got to put myself in front of there, right? And the other story, you know, just a quick one as well, um, was around the same time, I actually reached out to the co-founder of Shopback as well. Uh, Shopback is pretty big uh, today. And so I reached out to Joel and you know, I was just a student, like literally just, just a student randomly on LinkedIn. And I just reached out to him and I said, I, I just need 30 minutes of your time. Um, I just want to learn from you, right? You can just sit there. You can have your breakfast and let me just ask you a question. If you don't want to answer, that's fine. But just let me sit there. Um, and I think I've always been a really audacious student. Uh, you know, I would be the kind that if I'm really interested in, sub in a subject, you know, as Asians, a lot of us would be shy to ask questions. We sit at the back, kind of just take notes but I will be the guy who just sits in the front and be the first to ask question. Um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, right? Like you have one opportunity to, to learn. So, you know, um, you don't really have to care if someone judge you or not. At the end of the day, if you're the best in what you do, um, you know, people will still come back to you. And, and that's always been my mentality. Amazing. And do you have any tips on how to cold email people? Especially well, with the story around shop back. There's a lot of tips. I think, you know, one thing that I learned is that people you know, want to help people who who they they think deserve to be helped, right? Like, you know, may, in a way is that, you know, you have to show them um, that, you know, they might not be best at what, what you are asking for, but at the end of the day, they will try their best to help you because they know that you deserve to be helped uh, in many ways. So you're trying, you're passionate. And I think the way to really just reach out to co-email people is that, I would always say that, you know, first is to have some form of relevance, like, whether be it something that you're doing and that they're doing as well, um, or that you have something to chime inside. And the next one is just really telling them that, you know, uh, try to lower the barrier of entry for them and say, you know, uh, you don't really need much of the time, right? Just maybe a few message exchange or just a quick 15 minutes of 30 minutes or so. Um, you know, that always works well. Um, obviously not everyone, you know, I'm sharing the stories that is like amazing, but there's tons of stories that uh, quite didn't work out as well. Um, I think you just got to keep, you know, sending out emails and uh, my advice, you know, for co-emails like that, but the overall principle for that is that you just need to have one good day, right? Like this is an advice that that I actually saw on TikTok, which is kind of interesting, um, is that, you know, you would have many different days where uh, you send things and no one reply you, whatever, so and so forth. Um, but you just need one good day. One good day where someone believes in you. One good day where a client believes in you or a customer gives you that, that opportunity to serve them. You just need to have that one good day where all your hard work really compounds to that. Um, and that's the kind of principle, right? Uh, it's really not trying to optimize for certain things, but it's trying to make sure that, you know, you can go for, uh, you know, the long run. 
Cool. So I'm going to take a step back and go back to um, maybe a younger version of you. So, you know, you graduated or I mean, you you left school and um, you started your first company, Packed Dad, right? So that was while I was in school, while I was oh, in you school. were, you were still in school. Yeah, okay. School. So walk us briefly through, through that. Yeah. How so did the idea come about and. Pack Dad is a, is a project of mine uh, with my brother while I was still in school. And back then I was like 17 or 18 years old. And, you know, my older brother just was uh, just one year older than me. You know, we decided to start Pack Dad uh, for our friends because a lot of them were just having troubles to plan itinerary for their trips with their family during the holidays. And so we're like, hey, let's do something for that, right? And uh, we decided to create a product that just helps them to plan itinerary online. Um, you know, we just decided that that was something that we wanted to do as well. And so we 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 went on and we just started doing those things. Um, it's it's a tough journey, right? Like like it's a first company and it's a lot of things that we have yeah, we have trout and whatnot. I really remember sleeping in the school offices uh, just while we were building these things. And, you know, there's, li- there's really still photos of that. Um, And I think the, you know, like, just like through that experience, you learn a lot about uh, being a founder. You learn a lot about, um, you learn a lot about what is, what is like to be alone. Um, Because mm-hmm. as a student, everyone was studying, everyone was focused on grades. And, and I'm not one of those students where I don't really study right uh it's so i i was like a top scholar in my school before i started my company so i was a really good student and uh, i was also a part of the singapore national team that competes in 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 rollerblading so um i was a professional athlete as well right so i was i was pretty accomplished in terms of like academics and sports and when i started my first startup with my brother it was just something that you know i was ready to like okay uh go all in right and just the people that I surrounded myself with, um, you know, through then, uh, everyone was just focused either on like sports or uh, really good grades. And so you learn what it's like to be alone. I think Um, you learn what it's like to have people not understand you. And I think that is a really important lesson that, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to learn when I'm young is that um, you learn, you, you learn how to just ignore the voices and you learn that not everyone is going to understand you. And you just learn to move on and not convince people. And so I, you know, through that experience and just running like that, um, you know, it's probably one of the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, we saw that company by the time I graduated. So it was the final year. I remember like on the day of graduation itself, I, you know, we actually signed the acquisition paper on the day of graduation day itself. So, uh, that's what happened. And that's, that's quite, quite a, you know, uh, early journey. Yeah. That's insane. Cause that's what's, that was over a course of a year and a bit, right? Yeah. Like two really... years, two, two years. Yeah. yeah. And that's incredible. So walk us through that a little bit. Like how did you manage to find a buyer? Were you expecting to exit it at that point yeah. in time? How did you decide you wanted to exit and not continue to build it? So, you know, this is, um, one of the things about Singapore is that all the guys have to go through two years of national service in the army. And my brother was going in and I was about to go in a year later. And so there wouldn't be anyone left to run a company. Right. And so for us, I was just thinking, you know, should I be the one running it? Um, is anyone going to run it, run it after I go to the army? And so we just felt like, you know, we could either just continue trying or, um, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen, right? Or the other, uh, the other alternative. And so we we took a strategic 
alternative in a sense. We started to pitch for more in uh, for some investors. By the way, at that point, there was no investors at all. And so we started to try to pitch investors and we went to some uh, competition and there was this uh, CNBC competition that we uh, fortunately went into the top three final. And, you know, we didn't win that, but we actually met a lot of people and one of them uh, became the company that wanted to acquire us from Indonesia. And we had this conversation and they flew me to Indonesia. So I was fronting this conversation and they flew me to Indonesia just to learn about our product, just to share and understand that uh, and potentially an interest to acquire us. Um, at that point of time, you know, it just felt like, you know, it just felt like a a lot of things happened during that time, right? I mean, this is such a long story, but a lot of things happened during the time when I was in Indonesia. Um, such a complicated story for a 21-year-old, 20-year-old to be in that situation. A room full of like multi-millionaires and, and, and really just the reaches of the country, just, uh, you know, they were running this company. And so... For me, as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, you, you go to these board meetings, you go to these rooms uh, for such strategic uh, conversation, for such, uh, you know, heavy conversations. Um, you know, there's a lot of politics involved, right? And so, but just being put in that situation, it was it was such an incredible experience, honestly. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, we negotiated some deal out of it. We got, we got acquired then. Uh, and one of the deal was that I had to actually continue working with them for the next one year before I go into the military service. And so for the one year as a 20 year old who had never been to Jakarta, never been to Indonesia, I was just throughout there to expose myself to the whole of Indonesia, which is by the way, the fourth largest population in the world and one of the biggest markets uh, globally and in Southeast Asia, the biggest. And so, uh, you know, I was so fortunate to be just be able to do that. Um, uh, uh, obviously, you know, so much that, the 20 year old me had absorbed from there. And, uh, you know, that, that was a journey, right? That was a journey to acquisition. Yeah. And back then, you got, were you guys like profitable? Like when you were running no, this business? We were you we, making we some money? Like you, you had sales and stuff? No, it, we didn't have sales or anything. It was just uh, three of us uh, with one of my friends. And uh, it was just a product. It was really just a product. So they acquired, and- they acquired us and the product just to integrate into their main, main suite uh- of product. Okay, 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 got it. Um, that's incredible. That because I think so many people in that stage would be like, I need to start like showing sales figures or whatever in order for me to be able to like go out to talk to investors. And or a lot of people in that scenario might have just decided to close down their business and just be like, oh, well, that was a good learning. I learned over the course of two years. And uh, now I'm going to go to the army and maybe go to university down the road. Yeah. Um. I think it's very interesting that you guys decided to find investors because I don't think that's usually the path people would take in yeah. in that situation. So I think really incredible and speaks volumes about the person that yeah. uh, that you are. Yeah, okay. I think just like being naive, just being naive is something that I missed a lot. Honestly, I think mm-hmm. I, um, my experience in Indonesia and just um surrounding myself with amazing, talented, uh, wise and experienced people. Um, I think it made me a lot wiser. It made me a lot more experienced uh, for the age that I'm at. Uh, but, you know, I, I sometimes wish that a, a huge part of me is still naive, but I, I still wish that, you know, there's a part of me that is really naive because that, that is what drives, drives someone. Yeah, exactly. Fearless. Um, yeah. And just to try different things and you have nothing exactly. to lose, right? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And how, but how did you find that first client, right? How did you get that first person to pay you and yeah. trust I think you? it was... It was on some like Telegram group or probably on Carousel or something. Like I just posted like, hey, I'm 
because back then I I was like, I'm gonna do any design like graphic design or, or like uh or like logo design and or UI UX design. Um, and the first project I remember taking was a was a logo design, and it was it was for I think five hundred dollars, and uh, it was amazing feeling when the money came in. It was an amazing, you know, it was an amazing feeling when someone literally pays you to design things. Um, and I was an engineering student, so that was something new for me. Uh, yeah, so, so I actually wanted yeah. to ask you because you know you spoke about engineering, you spoke about entrepreneurship. Yeah. How did this design thing come about? Like, was that something that you were always passionate about? Did you always yeah. have like a creative side to yourself? Yeah. Um. So, I in every single engineering project while I was in school, obviously besides doing the engineering things, I've always cared about how it looks and how people experience that, right? And I always care about how we present it, how we storytell it, mm-hmm. and. So you wouldn't see any engineers that deliberate about that. I can I can assure you that uh, it was such a maniacal level of like, no, we can't present this product like this. You know, we can't have the wires out like that in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my my friends were so supportive of that. And so I was always the team leader. I was always the one who who has the final say of like, okay, this is how it's gonna be. Like, you know, this is how we're gonna do it. Um, you know, and then the engineering thing comes later. So we always try to work from the experience backwards, like, you know, like probably like Apple and Steve Jobs. And um, it, it was such a huge part of my school days because that allowed me to understand that my genius comes with understanding what people want and not just, not just um, on an engineering level, like where you code things or where you build certain wires into the robotics and the product itself. Um, but just to understand what human wants, right? Like if I understand what my professor wants out of this project and I could get A for it, you know, I understand that I got to need a good presentation. I got to make it look nice. I got to make him feel like this is something useful and he would do it in his own house. And uh, uh, for me, you know, I, that was when I realized like, okay, that was what I it was really good at, right? Just understanding understanding people at its most human level. And if you look at the things that, uh, you know, we do at AD Please today, that's one thing. Um, and, but if you look at that, you know, just beyond product, if you just look at my social media, uh, LinkedIn or Twitter, where I post things and people like, it's, it's about writing things that people want to see and want to hear and that benefits them. And it's so fundamental. When you start understanding people, you can use that, in product, you can use that in marketing, you can use that in writing, literally anything. And so that was when I found out like, okay, that's something what I want to do. And design was a way for me to create things for, uh, by, you know, create things out of my understanding of human beings. And is that something that comes quite naturally to you to understand what people are looking for? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, 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 (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, I, I think my, my sort of like, I would say like my, my superpower is like, uh, just being able to, you know, look at something that someone had created or certain sentence that they say, um, or certain actions that they take. And I'll be able to make a very sharp judgment about this is how they're feeling. This is how they're thinking. This is likely going to be their next step. Um, so I've always been very like clear, clear with these things. Mm, So actually it's not even like talking to people but more just observing them from afar and being able to draw the conclusion of what might be going through their head. Exactly. Um, You can tell a lot about a man, a a woman, anything, right? Like a human being, you can tell a lot about a person 
not from the things they say, but from the things that they do. Like mm-hmm. just from the things that they do. Like um, they could maybe write 10 social media posts. Let's say today, like we look at someone on LinkedIn and we say, oh, they're writing 10 social media posts. Um, so, you know, are they writing consistently? Are they, is there a specific theme that they're writing? Is there something that is on their profile that is written, um, like structured in a certain way? Um, you know, you will be able to guess that, okay, maybe they're trying to build their personal brand. Um, but, you know, then you ask yourself, okay, maybe why is this person trying to build their personal brand? Are they trying to launch something? You know, are they trying to make money off like certain costs that they're going to launch soon, right? So so from there, you could, and then you see their track record of history and you kind of like, you know, they don't even tell you anything. But just from the way that they're doing things, you can easily tell like, okay, this is probably going to be what they're doing. Um, and this is the kind of person that they are. They're self-driven or, or they're like dependent on certain things. And, and it's and it's easy to tell, uh, you know, based on the things that they actually just put out there. Interesting. So, I mean, going back to your example around growing your audience on LinkedIn, Twitter, and all of that, right? Um, and that as an example of how you were able to successfully read human behavior and translate that into your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you figure it out? Maybe use yourself as a case study, right? You know, you you you've amassed, I think, quite a lot of followers on on Twitter yeah. and LinkedIn, right? How, yeah. how, maybe can you share with us how many followers you have? So on LinkedIn, it's about 80, 81,000, I think. Wow. Okay. Um, on on Twitter, I'm just getting started. It's like seven thousand today. Okay. So okay. Just getting started. I mean, just getting started and getting seven thousand is <laughs> already amazing. Yeah. Okay. So clearly, yeah. you are very good at understand what people want, and then creating content for those people, right? So mm-hmm. if you use yourself as a case study, can you share with us how you go about understanding what topics to write about and how you grew your your audience? Yeah. I think the first thing is knowing what you want to be known for, right? Do you want to be known for someone who is really good at design? Do you want to be someone who is really good at management, consulting, someone who is really good at strategy, operations? So what is the domain that you want people to know you for, right? So understanding yourself first as a person. And I think the next thing is that when you put yourself out there, then that's when obviously you got to kind of like, let's say you want to be known for operations. That's when you got to, you know, share contents around operations, but exactly what the format of it should be, that's when you kind of got to figure out, right? You got to test. So is it something that, people like to read the how to do operations or they like to have the, oh, seven things that you need in operations. What kind of contents do they like around operations, right? So um, that's one thing to actually observe. So you got to test a lot of that. So understanding people is about testing as well. Um, and the next thing is that you you cannot care about uh, the metrics so much at the start. So a lot of times, you know, we uh, people put things and, and, you know, the metrics affect them and they're like, oh, no one is looking at it. But people are looking at it regardless, right? People will be looking at it. Uh, they might not comment on it, but they will see it. And my take is about this is that you just got to appear, keep showing up in front of them. Just keep, keep posting and, and, and they're going to find you curious and they're going to click on your profile someday. Maybe after one post, after two, three, who knows? Um, but when you just keep showing up, people really see it. Um, whether or not they appreciate, who cares, right? Like you're building your brand and there's, I think a lot of people have a scarcity mindset. Like 99.9% of the human beings have scarcity mindset, which means that um, if I post today, likely no one is going to um, like, like, you know, if there's a lot of people that like it, you know, uh, likely I'm going to be, 
you know, feeling amazing. But if there's no one, then I feel like, oh, you know, uh, uh, people don't don't want that. But there's 7 billion people in the human world and that's like on earth um, and there's hundreds and millions of people on LinkedIn itself. Uh, and so the scarcity mindset is, you know, just stopping there and be like, oh, this thousand people don't like it. But there's like a few hundred million people who hasn't seen it yet. And so you, you kind of got to just ignore it and just keep, keep giving value and just keep putting contents out there and testing um, and just be consistent with things. Yeah, so that, that's always my advice for content is that, you know, just do things that relate to people, but at the same time, you know, test it out so that you know what exactly they like to read. So what's the formula for you? So, I mean, you're very clear with your your brand um, yeah. and, you know, you've done the testing. Yeah. What have you found has worked out well for you uh, that has led to the success you've seen? So for me, definitely designers, right? Because I'm a designer and a lot of them are design followers. A lot of them are startup founders recently. So that's something that I found uh, uh, that. But one thing that I that I think that I do really well is just speaking the truth, right? Just really speaking the truth and um, just saying that, hey, you know, uh, we shouldn't judge people by how long they stay in the office, but what kind of work they produce out of the office, right? Uh, and these are things where you kind of like, you have it in the back of your head, but you don't really say it. And mm -hmm. so when I say the truth, I think it always resonates with people. Uh, and things like, hey, you know, normalize career change, right? Normalize career change at any age, because some people might feel burnt out at age of 30 plus 40, um, and they feel like changing, and that's completely fine. And so when you speak the truth, uh, a, a, a set of people, not all of them, but a set of people are going to relate to that and they would want to engage with you because mm -hmm. I think then you're speaking to them. And so for me, you know, what I found out about at least myself is that speaking the truth has really helped me to resonate with my audience. Mm, so maybe controversial truths as well. Yeah, or controversial truths. that truths. people are afraid of saying out loud or typing out loud, uh, but yeah. maybe something that they're thinking about. Exactly. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. I'm interrupting my very own episode to let you guys know about my career coaching program that's designed to help you go from lost and frustrated with your corporate job to living and crushing it in your dream career. So if you're feeling unfulfilled, despite having that perfect, prestigious, high-paying job, or if you're someone who's great at chasing and acing other people's dreams but have no idea what your own dreams and goals are, well, today you're in luck. I'm sharing my three-step framework to help you find your passion and get career clarity. If that sounds like something you would want, check out today's show notes to download the free guide now. All right, back to the episode. Um, so let me bring us back to your career journey, right? So, um, you know, you went to the army uh, mm -hmm. and on the side, you were working on, you know, design projects for different types of clients. You know, so great, um, very busy <laughs> doing two <laughs> things at the same time. Um, so, you know, army comes to an end. What's next for you? Did you then go decide, okay, I'm going to go yeah. find a, a job now to be a, a designer? So I applied for, I remember I tried applying for many different companies like Google and everything. Um, I went the furthest with Facebook. Yeah, I went the furthest with Facebook. Um, it's a funny story. I even got a Facebook because I co-DM the VP of design at Facebook and I say, hey, you're a huge fan and you know you had worked in Singapore before and now you're in, in Menlo Park in the HQ um, of Facebook and you know I just want to chat with you. And so so I said, look, you know, I'm just a guy. I'm still in my army. I'm finishing up. Um, but I just did 30 minutes of a time. Just chat. And you know, like this happened again, right? And so she agreed 
um, you know, she's such an amazing person. Uh, and so she agreed and we just spoke on the phone. Uh, I remember she was driving and I had a notepad of questions that I asked her. And so, okay, you don't mind me. I'm just going to start my questions and sort of felt like a podcast. And, um, but it was conversational. And um, she, she just gave me all of this and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm just going to send you my takeaway notes. And the reason I said that was because I want you to know how serious I am. You know, I took a photo of the notes that I wrote on my book and I sent her on WhatsApp and I said, these are, these are my learnings. Let me know if you want to add in anything or I missed it. Um, but like I say, when you want to learn from someone, always be a student and, you know, always be serious when you show up. And so, um, I, I think she, that. yeah, like she saw that and, um, you know, and she, I think like a f- few weeks before or like rather like, you know, a few weeks after that call, um, you know, I asked her, said, hey, you know, is there any openings at Facebook? And she said, yeah, like, you know, one of our teams, one of my teams that she's managing uh, is hiring. So do you want to go go try it out? I can refer you. And I'm like, oh, you're willing to refer me? And uh, she referred me and I got in and obviously the rest was on my own. And I went through all the interviews and, um, you know, I was at the final stage. I was supposed to fly to Facebook HQ, Menlo Park. And I was so excited because it's a paid for trip to the US. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen because COVID hit and oh, uh, I didn't get to go there. So we had to do it on Zoom. Um, but because on Zoom, you know, like, uh, you know, I just didn't use much Zoom back then because it was the start of COVID. And I just wasn't that comfortable, like, online, like, like speaking on there. Like, I was so confident. If you fly me there in person, I'm confident that I can convince you that I'm the one to work in your team. Like, 100% hands down, I think I would have gotten the job. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, no excuses. Like, uh, I, I didn't get it at the end of the day. Um, and uh, it, it it definitely felt like, you know, oh God, you know, uh, I, I went through those moments. And I also interviewed with Wish, uh, the e-commerce company. Uh, and I didn't get that as well. I think I went pretty far with that. Uh, and so the final one was with one of my clients. Um, and the, one of the clients is GoTrade, the, the fintech company. And they eventually offered me a full-time role, right? And so they eventually offered me a full-time role at GoTrade uh, where the pay was very, very decent. Um, and I felt like, wow, I had no degree and they were willing to take a chance on me. And I went in there and I gave them my best work. Uh, you know, today, the design is still amazing. Everyone compliments the design, which is amazing. And so um, for me, you know, that was, that was uh, sort of like a a journey but I never really thought of like applying for university then it was just like hey I I I wanted to get to one of these companies because I had started my first company before this and I I told myself I wasn't going to start a company in the next four to five years uh five years mm-hmm. um and the reason for that is because I know I'm I'm still young you know uh in many ways I have a lot of things to learn so I have that awareness that I don't know a lot of things mm-hmm. and um isn't it isn't like a imposter syndrome thing it's just like an awareness that i know it's a lot of things i haven't been through before and so um i wanted to work for a company to know the ins and outs of the companies um and that was one of the reasons but uh you know i joined go trade that was one of the primary reasons and obviously you know in the midst of covid um that's when i started adp as well so like i said that's when the nature kicks in and you know like okay i, I gotta do something about it so yeah that's the path to uh you know to to my first job yeah that's incredible. And I love how you, again, took a very non-conventional approach to the job search, even when you were looking for it, right? Most yeah. people would just be like, I'm going to drop my resume. I'm going to go on LinkedIn and, and search for jobs. 
for you, you really took the extra step to do the human connection. And I think, again, it goes back to um, your ability to connect with people and also not being shy about reaching out to these people who are pretty senior in their careers. Because um, yeah. I think even for some people, they might go cold message someone, they might just cold message someone who's quite junior, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not afraid to reach out to like the VP at Facebook, um, who's, exactly. you know, pretty established. And and the cool thing is when you reach out to senior people, if they do reply, they are able to pull some strings and they're able to get more things done than if you, you know, talk to like an analyst on the team and uh, they can refer you, but it probably doesn't come with as much weight as coming from someone who is a VP, been at the company for a long time, et cetera. Exactly. So I think that that's really, really cool. And I really love your approach uh, around your job search process. Um, okay, cool. So, you know, you worked at GoTrade. I mean, you started your job at GoTrade. Um, you know, you worked there for a couple of years. Um, um, one and a half, I think. Yeah. For a year. Okay. Um, and during that period of time, you know, it was during COVID, right? Um, mm-hmm. how did the AD, so I know you, you kind of had the idea of ATP list while you were at GoTrade. Um, how did the idea come about? So, you know, I, I when I was at GoTrade, obviously the pandemic already happened and, um, I was just seeing a lot of people uh, getting uh, like laid off on, on LinkedIn. And for me, I was like, initially my thought was, wasn't to help people that were laid off. Um, my thought was just that I think it was COVID and maybe I could create some medical stuff to help people. <laughs> Honestly, oh, that was, that was my, that wow. was my thought. Um, oh. You know, like I say, right. Like it's, it's this like, you just want to do something for the world kind of thing, uh, instinct. And so, uh, I called my friend at Facebook. Uh, he, he worked at Facebook as an engineer and I said, Hey, can we create like a contact tracer, you know, to help, uh, the government maybe, you know, contact trace people uh, who were infected. Uh, maybe, you know, we can simplify things. I felt like there's a lot of, uh, junky apps out there that just so hard to use and just products that were hard to use in COVID. And I was like, you know, I, I can make this 10 times better. I'm confident. I just need an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that point of time, he was trying to secure his job. So, uh, and also it was a busy time and mm-hmm. uh, he didn't come on board. And I was like, okay, now I can't pursue the medical things because, you know, I, I it's just such a deep technology uh, to code, right? And that was when I started a simple Excel spreadsheet that, you know, just really help people to put their names up there if you are getting laid off uh, or that you have been laid off. And, you just put your names there and I would send these to recruiters and the recruiters would reach out to you. And that was the first version of ADP list. And we created a second tab that's called mentorship. And so basically if you're not laid off, but you want to help these people with like career advice or portfolio reviews, you can actually put your names there as well. Mm-hmm. And people can reach out to you. And so that whole thing was called the amazing design people list. And, you know, it, it turned into what it is today. And that's so cool that it really just starts off with uh, a Google sheet, right? I think so many people think you have to build this like app or some fancy looking website to get started, but it was really just a sheet. Um, I know that you have a co-founder. How did you meet your co-founder? Did you guys come up with this idea together? So I started the spreadsheet first and then he saw the spreadsheet and he he joined in later on. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's from Africa and we met on LinkedIn. Yeah. 
Mm. So again, I think this, so were you already growing your LinkedIn profile and your yeah, LinkedIn was, audience back yeah, then, like yeah, way before then. ADP list? Yeah, way before ADP list, yeah. And, and was that a deliberate decision to grow your LinkedIn profile or wh- what was the thinking? Because I, I think a lot of people don't treat LinkedIn as like a social media audience yeah. building kind of thing. I think, um, you know, regardless of the channel, you know, uh, uh, regardless of the channel, like Instagram, Twitter, wherever, TikTok, um, I, you know, same thing, right? Like, you know, back to the story of me in Indonesia. Um, when I was in Indonesia, it was chaotic. It was literally politically chaotic. Uh, you know, when we talk about office politics, that's, you know, putting a 21-year-old kid in there, uh, you know, he'll walk out as a beast <laughs> for sure. And so one thing that I learned from there is that influence matters more than money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, you know, it works together. It works together. Money and influence works together. But when you have the influence, the basic money will come, like a few million dollars or whatnot. Those, those will come. And so that is, that is a lesson that I learned. And because people can take the money from you, but they will never be able to take the influence from you. And so if we talk about like, if we just give an example today, like Elon Musk or, you know, anyone else. And so, um, you know, maybe people are not a fan of Elon Musk because of the things that he has done uh, or like the way he treat people. And, uh, or maybe like, if you look at Uber as well, you know, the founder and just like, he got ousted from Uber and the bro culture and everything. Um, so, you know, they could maybe oust them out from the company and, you know, take all their shares or whatnot. But there is no deny that these are the people who had built these amazing companies. And so, so that is the influence, right? That is the influence. And so when you got the influence, you can easily build the next thing. Say Elon today gets ousted of Tesla or wherever. Like if he wants to build the next thing, people will be lining up to give him the money. Mm. Not because he's rich, but because he's Elon Musk, because he has done it before, right? So same for Uber, right? Like Travis got ousted of there. He started his next company. Every investor literally lined up. Despite the controversy that he's a bro culture, you know, the ethics and whatever, people talk about ethics. But when it comes to making money, like those things gets thrown out of the room. And so, I mean, especially with capitalists, right? Venture capitalists or investors. And so um, when he started his next company, uh, The Ghost Kitchen, like everyone literally lines up to give him the money to start something because of influence, right? And so I learned that at a very young age um, when I was I was in all those heavy hitting meetings. And, uh, and that was when I started to decide that I need influence. Mm. I need influence. I don't have the money right now. I don't grow up in a rich environment, but... I need the influence because I know that mm-hmm. if I have the influence, I could do anything I want. I could start something the next day and people would be there to ready to support me. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's really, for me, is the most powerful thing. And that's such an incredible lesson. And I think that that's so, something people really don't think about, right? And I think you gave some really, really good examples of how you know influence really cannot be taken away from you, even if your company goes bankrupt or you get pushed out of a company. That stays with you similar to learning, right? And I think that that's why you place uh, a lot of emphasis on learning as well for yourself. Like that's something that people can never take away from you. Okay, so I know you mentioned that this was always just a side project at the beginning. Mm -hmm. When did you know that this was going to be something serious? When did you decide to quit and do this full time? So I had a conversation with, uh, you know, with the founder, co-founder of Carousel, he's a CEO uh, and he's a good friend, you know, CEO Ray. And he has been so helpful in my journey. And back then I didn't know him. And so 
again, I DM him code on LinkedIn and, uh, and I said, look, I'm building this site project for people in COVID and I want to get your advice on something uh, that I'm building right now. And, you know, we talk and he was so gracious to give me 30 minutes of his time and just to, to call. And at the end of it, he just asked me this question. He say, why are you not doing this full time? <laughs> And and I'm like, man, you know, um, I mean, he's a Singaporean and so he understands. I'm like, dude, you know, I don't have a degree and I need a job. I'm still learning. I'm still very young and I want to save up. Um, so, you know, I'm just kind of like seeing where this thing goes. And he said, yeah, okay, uh, valid. And he said, okay, but anyways, if you decide to do this full time, please call me. Mm. And uh, I was like, okay. And, you know, a few weeks later, I think two weeks later, um, my boss at GoTrade, um, my ex-boss came to me and, and he asked me, he said, you know, wow, I've been seeing a lot of your side project things on LinkedIn, you know, it's everywhere. Um, you know, is this something that you are thinking seriously about? I'm like, no, you know, I'm, I'm full-time, right? And it's a side project. Everyone has more people to side projects. And, and he's like, okay, um, but I would like you to choose one. So if oh, you want to, yeah, yeah. So really? if you want to, wow. exactly. So if you want to, if you want to stay in a full-time job, you can't do your side project. You can't even talk about it on social what? media. Yeah. You can't even really? talk about it on social media because. Uh, do you know why? Yeah. Yeah. Like I asked him why. And he said like, because the other employees would see and what if they go and do their own side projects and you know, that would affect like the morale and everything like the output. And I'm like, okay, sure. And, um, and so I said, yeah, just give me a week to think. And he's like, no rush. And, um, you know, I, my main thing was like, at that point of time, it wasn't a business or it didn't even have a business plan. Um, but I knew that the world loves it. Right. I knew that a lot of people around the world love it. And it was free, right? Like, yeah, it, it free. and it still is free to it find mentors, free, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, today we have like business, business model, like a B2B model. Um, but you know, like it is still free, right. For consumers. And so, um, I just wasn't that ready in a sense to like, Oh, like, you know, think about it. Um, and I actually thought about a lot of different things and I said, you know, I'm young and this is a risk that I can probably take, but I think the strongest motivator for me was that because I've always been a very, um, I've always been very audacious with things. And so, so I say, look, you know, there hasn't been a company from Southeast Asia that has had a global presence. And this is a growing up thing. This is a growing up curiosity thing is that, you see, the Silicon Valley and the United States have dominated in tech for so many years, like so many decades, right? Like, you know, since internet boom, right? So they have Amazon, they have like, everything is from Silicon Valley. They have like uh, Netflix, Google, you know, Snapchat, WhatsApp, everything. And for me... I just kept thinking, uh, why can't our technology or why can't global platforms be from this part of the world, right? Like we have Grab, but damn, you know, Grab is only in Southeast Asia. At least that's what they want, mm -hmm. right? We have Carousel, amazing, right? Like I talk about Siri, amazing guy. Um, mm -hmm. They're in Southeast Asia, right? So he he really supports us a lot. And um. And there's like Gojek as well, right? And in Hong Kong, there's like Lala Move and everything. But you see this, right? These are not like super global businesses as you, mm -hmm. as you would compare to maybe like the Uber or the Airbnbs mm -hmm. or like the WhatsApp and Instagram. And I'm like, there is literally no reason. Literally no reason. The same people could quote Instagram from here. The same people could quote 
you know, um, Airbnb from here, um, what is the difference, right? And that was one of the reasons why it took me on a solo trip after my graduation for one month to Silicon Valley to just find that answer, right? Like as a, as a young kid. And so when I came back, I'm like, there's no difference. People are smart, but people there are audacious. They are dreamers. They are dreamers. Mm -hmm. And so when I came back here and, and long story short, you know, my consideration was ADPs is now well-loved around the world. And I want to, I want to make this the first company that is global that comes out from this part of the world. As big as Instagram, as big as Airbnb, Uber. And it has to be come out, coming out from this part of the world because there's no reason that we can't do that. And if you look at recent things, right? Like if people talk about like, maybe the world is changing to Southeast Asia or whatever. You know, people don't talk about this, but chat GPT, right? Could have been done from anywhere. Literally the best people. It came out from Silicon Valley again, again, right? Like the global phenomenon came out from there again. And so for me was, wow, you know, um, you know, I think they just, they are just really good at building things, but they're also really good at trying to make things really, really big. And I think that's something that um, I wanted to fly the flag high for a lot of people here. Um, and I say that, look, I think I can do it. Mm -hmm. And so um, was one of the biggest, biggest motivation factor for me was mm -hmm. that, you know, you know, like I say, it wasn't the money. It was like, if I do this thing, I think it would set the course of generations and be like, there is a mm -hmm. freaking global company from here. And, and we can do it. And so um, I left my job and I called Siore and I told him, hey, I left my job. And, you know, recently I found out and we were having, you know, uh, dinner and he told me like, you know, when you called me and that you left your job, he's like, he was asking himself like, what have I done to this kid? Uh, but, you know, like- He uh, ruined your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think it was also because he was ready to support me. That was, that was one of the things that gave me the courage and be like, wow, there's mm -hmm. someone like him, such a figure in the industry that was ready to back- such a crazy dream um and 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 that was that really gave me the courage was he an investor for you yeah, guys he, he became he became our first investor ah so then that gave you the financial stability to do this full time as well i mean like he, a little like, bit like yeah a little bit of that yeah a little bit of that mm, got it got it and so are you able to share with us a little bit about your business model yeah of course so you know um in many ways adp list so you know adp list mission you know is to democratize uh mentorship right and that means that uh, we believe in the world where everyone can get access to someone um, that could you know completely change their life and elevate their success and so we believe in this concept called success sharing so you could be a a sort of like an like an amazing designer and we believe that you know with such genius in you that genius doesn't have to be divided and shared, but it can be radiated to everyone around you. And that's really what we believe that ADP stands for, right? Uh, success sharing. And so we want to, you know, for our business model, you know, today the network has grown to over 15,000 mentors, hundreds and thousands of mentees around the world. Um, wow. And also, you know, we have like 30,000 mentorship sessions uh, booked every single month itself. That's and incredible. so, you know, these mentors come from many different places around the world. Um, the business model for ADP list is think of it very much like ADP is the iPhone, right? The iPhone, but obviously it's a free iPhone. In this case, it's a free iPhone, right? And um, everyone gets an iPhone. Everyone gets access to an iPhone, meaning everyone gets access to the basic mentorship uh, and whatever that you see today. But the business model of ADP list is the app store, right? The app store. And the app store means that, you know, 
So we had our we have our iPhone moment. This is our iPhone moment. The App Store moment for ADP list is opening up for third parties and third parties, uh, individuals and companies to be a part of our ecosystem, right? So for App Store, it is the developers, individuals, and the businesses to come to develop their app. For ADP list, you know, we believe that our App Store moment is empowering businesses to come in here and create educational uh, materials, educational uh, mentorship materials, right? Whether it be in the form of causes, in the form of notes, in the form of documents, whatever, right? Um, there's so many different forms of mentorship that we can empower people to create on ADP list, right? So we believe that, you know, um, uh, that is the fundamental business model and it's already, you know, playing out, right? So we partner with Webflow, Figma, uh, many different companies to, you know, have them have the course here as well. And, you know, we've already seen that play out, uh, you know, in the past few months and we don't really announce like our annual earnings or whatever, but, you know, those are the biggest things, right? And now we're going into the next phase where we're empowering third-party individuals, right? To create their causes and whatnot on ADP list. And so it becomes an ecosystem where people can share knowledge in the way they want to and in the way that people want to receive as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So it could be a one-to-one -one call. It could be a course. It could be a, it could be a group like, you know, message or whatever. Um, so many different formats. And we believe that these formats can be monetized, right? So causes are monetized. Um, uh, these basic formats of, uh, of, 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 uh, you know, uh, contents are also monetized and whatnot as well. So, you know, uh, you know, that's, that's where we really want to monetize. We want to keep the basic fundamental layer free, uh, the iPhone free, but you know, the app store is what we think the big game is. That's amazing. That's incredible. Um, and uh, I guess what's next for you guys? You know, you guys have your business model down. You started off with just, you know, uh, a free Google sheet for people to meet each other. Yeah. Now you've got hundreds of thousands of, of calls booked every single month, which is amazing. Yeah. I, I think the next step for us, and it, our focus this year is just really uh, creating monetization uh, uh, you know, strategies and just execution. Um, there is just a lot of things that we're doing where we feel like, you know, we could be doing way better uh, in terms of an execution point of view. So uh, we want to, you know, sort of like focus a lot on monetization, but without compromising the quality of the community. I think mm -hmm. that's the focus for us. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes makes a lot of sense. I think you got to make sure that your community is happy with the happy with the service along the way. And I think that goes back to your mission of always being very human centric and relationship focused as well. Um, any growth hacks you learned along the way? Well, I think the biggest growth hack, honestly, that uh people sometimes forget or uh just refuse to really believe in, and it's uh you know genuinely caring for the people that you serve, mm. uh the community, the customers. Um, you know, when you show up for them, it, it is it is incredible, honestly. Like I, I write, for example, like I write a quarterly letter to every to the whole mentor community. So um all of them would receive a quarterly letter from me, almost like a quarterly shareholder letter in a sense of a public company. But I write a quarterly mentor letter to all of them, um, to updates about the company, to update about the community, um, the challenges and you know, what we're committed to doing, the goals as well. And I write that transparently to all of them. I just sent that out last night. And I think a lot of people underestimate the power of like just doing things that are meaningful and uh, just, you know, being human. human. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. That's, that's that, yeah. I love that. I really love that. 
Um, and so one last question for you, which is one question I ask all of my guests um, is, you know, in the Western world, they always say, follow your dreams and eventually the money will come. But in Asia, it's very much like, hey, you should focus on making money and, you know, keep your passion on the side. Based off of your personal experience, what do you think about this? Wow, I think it's a tough question, honestly. It's a really tough <laughs> question. I think you should follow your dream, but be real about it. Like, you know, your dream just can't be like partying and stuff like that. Um, you know, there is, you should follow your dream, but be practical if your dream is sustainable for for you, right? Uh, for the long term. And um, um, I think, is, is, it some, is it a lifestyle that you're willing to accept as well? So I think that's something that I, I say that, you know, if you can, if you have the privilege to, you should follow your dreams. I think everyone at some point would have the opportunity to do that, honestly. Um, but it requires you to make a choice. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, they stay in jobs and they don't want to leave and they say of certain things. In many ways, you know, and they could say that, oh, I have kids or I have certain things that I need to be doing. But at the end of the day, are you willing to live with the decision? Are you, because a lot of people are willing to, if I tell them they're going to be successful, they're going to leave the job the next day, right? Um, <laughs> so a lot of people are not willing to be accountable for, for the other side of the equation. <laughs> and if you're willing to accept both sides of the equation uh, and say that, okay, I'm willing to live lesser than I have just to chase my dreams. I'm willing to settle for certain things um, while I work for a better lifestyle. Um, if you're willing to compromise and make that choice, you have a choice. It's a mm -hmm. tough one. It's a tough one. It puts you in a position that you don't want to be. But let's admit it. There's a choice there. And the choice requires you to work hard. The choice requires you to sacrifice. The choice requires you to maybe have a little bit less social life or live a little bit lesser expensive lifestyle. But nonetheless, it is a choice. And if you want it, you got to own it. That is my, that is my, my take on that. I really love that taking ownership in this decision and knowing that it's actually an option for you. You decided not to do this or you decide to do this, right? And having the responsibility and the ownership around both. Um, so just to wrap up, any parting thoughts of advice or things that you wish you learned uh, along, uh, you know, before you went into this whole journey of, of building ADP list? Yeah. Um, well, I think just do it. I think really just do it. That is my advice. And, uh, um, you know, uh, I share a lot of my advice on social media. So just follow me there. And, uh, but yeah, like, you know, my, my just thought is that just do it. Like mm -hmm. if you something, you know, uh, you have a choice, you really have a choice. Um, and if you are, if you don't think there's a choice, you're probably making an excuse. You know, I'm mm -hmm. just going to say that. Right. Uh, so yeah. I love that. What a perfect way to end the podcast. Um, so thank you, Felix, so much for being so transparent and open and generous with your time and sharing all the things that you've learned along the way. This has been really fun. Awesome. Thank you. And there you have it. My conversation with Felix. Here's a couple key takeaways that I got from this conversation. Number one the power of cold messages and aiming high with those messages. 
Be shameless when seeking out connections and mentors. And don't just focus on reaching out to the juniors in the company. Aim high. Reach out to the seniors because they are the ones who can actually move the needle for you in your career. Number two, when cold emailing for networking purposes, keep in mind that people tend to help others that they think deserve the help. So show them your passion and show them your relevance and your competency and lower the barrier for them to help. Number three, the power of personal branding and influence. Companies can go bankrupt, you can lose money, but no one can take your influence away from you. Number four, what Felix learned from growing his audience to over 80,000 followers on LinkedIn is this. Think about what you want others to know you for. And then from there, figure out what content would work best and test those out. Also, pro tip, don't put too much importance on metrics. Focus instead on being consistent and bringing value to people. And lastly, on building a product, sometimes it doesn't need to be anything fancy like an app or even a website. For Felix, ADP list started off just as a Google Sheet. From there, once they had a minimum viable product going and people started indicating interest, they were then able to go fundraise and was able to get the money needed to build and improve the product. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Control-Alt-Career. Check back in two weeks' time for my conversation with Jane Horan, the founder of The Horan Group. She built her own career coaching agency that works with companies to build inclusion into organizations in order to retain talent. In the upcoming episode, she shares a ton of really insightful career tips, especially for females looking to succeed in the corporate world. So make sure you're subscribed to my podcast so you don't miss it. And if you liked this episode, I'd so appreciate it if you can leave me a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast and share this episode with a friend who maybe aren't so happy with their corporate job and need a little extra inspiration. All right. Thanks so much as always for tuning in. I'll see you guys back here in two weeks. Music.